I invite you to remain standing for the reading of Scripture this morning, which the first Scripture comes to us out of Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 5, read verses 22 through 25. Hear now this word. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. And now we flip over to 1 John chapter 4. We read verses 7 through 21. 1 John chapter 4, 7 through 21. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent His only Son into the world so we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of Man, the Son of God, excuse me, and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not have a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as scripture is read and word is proclaimed, help us hear with joy what you say to us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to be seated. Lynn, if it starts acting up, just holler and we'll change them. Today we begin a new worship series on the fruit of the Spirit. What a day to be in the, in the house of the Lord. And, and today we start with the first on that list from Galatians we read on love. One afternoon, Shea and his father walked past a park where some boys that Shea knew were playing baseball. And Shea asked, do you think they'll let me play? And Shea's father knew that most of the boys would probably not want Shea on their team. But he understood that if his son were chosen to play, it would give him a comfortable sense of belonging. It would make him feel good. And it would be the right thing. 
Shea's father approached one of the boys on the field and asked if, if his son could play. And, and the boy looked around for some guidance from his teammates and not receiving any. He said, we're down by three runs. It's the top of the eighth inning. He can be on our team, I guess. And we'll try to get him in in the ninth and get an at-bat. And so sure enough, in the bottom of the ninth inning, with two outs and, and, two run, and three runners aboard, it was going to be Shea's turn to bat. And, and to his and everybody else's surprise, they gave him a bat and said, go out and do it. And, and Shea walked out to the plate, not knowing where to stand, not knowing how to hold the bat, having not ever done it before because he had never given the opportunity. He stood on top of the plate and waited for the pitch. Well, one of the boys came out and said, Shea, you've got to step on the side of the plate. And so he moved him over and showed him how to put the bat on, on his, on his uh, uh, shoulder. And then the pitcher scooted in a little bit closer to lob the pitch to him. And the first pitch, he swung clumsily and said, that's okay, that's okay. So the teammate came back out, grabbed the bat with him and said, look, Shea, I'm going to hit with you. I'm going to bat with you. And so when the next pitch came, they swung together and, and Shea hit a ground ball right back to the pitcher. And everybody was yelling, guess what? Run, Shea, run! Because he didn't know to run to first base. And so he ran. The pitcher picked up the ball and he could have easily thrown him out. But instead of throwing him out at first base, he rares back and threw the ball deep into right field. And when he got to the first, he stopped and
agape love, unending, never-ending, unconditional, surpassing all understanding type of love. And when we use the term agape, we're talking about the name for this kind of love. Agape is a noun. It's a noun in the Greek, and it is the kind of love we talk about. But I want to shift gears. I want to talk about the verb form of love, the action of love. The Greek form of this word is the word agapeo. agapeo. And love is a decision that we make, but it's also an action we take. Love is a decision we make, and it's an action we take. In 1 John, we learn a couple of important aspects about this love. First, we learn that this love was created by God and comes only from God. Secondly, we learn that God literally is love. The very first memory verse I ever learned at Vacation Bible School when I was three years old was a three-simple-word memory verse, and it was, guess what? God is love. That is just as imperative and applicable today as it ever has been. John powerfully makes the point that, that love in all of its forms has its beginnings in God. And without God, we don't have love because God is Love. Love and God go hand in hand. And they go so hand in hand that love is literally wrapped up in the identity of God. Because God is love. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. Love is who God is. And God is love. Love is so much at the core of the character of our God. That God would come as the Son, Jesus, and die for us because of that love. Jesus is the greatest example of love that this world will ever know. Jesus is the greatest example of love that this world has ever known. Everything he did in life, everything Jesus did in death, and everything Jesus is doing now in resurrection is out of that great love for us. Love does so much more than just this, too. Love explains why God creates. Because God loves us, God creates people to love. Love explains why God cares. Because God created us out of God's love, God cares about God's creation. God cares about all people. Because God created of us, and God is love. Love explains also why we have the greatest gift God ever created for us, and that is free will. Free will. God wants us to choose to want to love God back. 
God could have easily created us like the animals of the world to take commands and to be at the beckoning call of God and God just wish his hand and say do this and we would do it. God could have easily created us and said whoosh you will love me and guess what? We would have loved God. But that would have defeated the whole purpose of creation, the whole purpose of humanity. Because God gave us free will so that way we would have the ability to choose to love God. Because guess what? It means so much more when we choose to love than when we're forced to do something. Don't you agree? Love while we have free will. Love also explains why Jesus died, lived, rose again, and ascended into heaven. God's love for us is so great that God wanted to create a solution to our problem of sin. And love explains why we have eternal life. God's love is everlasting. God's love, agape love, is unfailing. It's unwavering. It's unconditional. And, as we've already said, it's everlasting. It never ends and it never will. I want you to notice one thing today. I want you to notice how John said this, because I think this is very important. I want you to notice that John says, God is love, not love is God. Now I've got some eyes and some attention. I think John said it like that for a reason. He said, God is love, not love is God. You know, the, the, the world's view on love has become at times so superficial, so self-servicing, that it has skewed our understanding of the word, the idea of love. This is a word that has been thrown around our society in some instances and contexts like a wet sack of potatoes. It has wrongly been used to describe selfish lust. It's been given as an excuse for passively enabled terrible sins to continue in the lives of loved ones. It has been seen as an uncontrollable emotion that leads to destructive behavior. Or as empty words just simply thrown back and forth with no substance and no meaning. The world would have us think that, that love is simply something that, that makes us feel good. It's just something that makes us feel good. And that on one end, it, it, it's acceptable to surrender moral values. Or, or on the other end, that it's acceptable to infringe upon people's certain unalienable rights. To obtain such love that makes you feel good. But folks, I have to tell you this. That's not love. That's not authentic love. That's not God-centered agape love. We've got another word for that. It's called selfishness. Someone say amen. It's called selfishness. It's a sin-corrupted, self-serving kind of love. And God is not that kind of love. And that love does not come from our God. And genuine love is easy to discern because ingenuine love is limited. Ingenuine love is, is, is guarded. It's a love that's conditional. It's a love that says, what's in it for me? 
It's a love that also says, what do I get in return if I love you? If I'm nice to you, what's my kickback? It's about me, me, and guess who else? Me. Our modern culture is so committed to self-service that I found a humorous uh, poem that I want to share with you. It says, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray my queasing art to keep. I pray my stocks are on the rise, that my analyst is wise, and that all the wine I sip is white, and my hot tub's watertight. That racquetball won't get too tough, that all my sushi's fresh enough. I pray my cell phone still works, that my career won't lose its perks, my microwave won't radiate, my condo won't depreciate. I pray my health club doesn't close and that my money market grows. If I go broke before I wake, I pray my Volvo they won't take. Does that sound like an agape love prayer? Does that sound like a self-serving kind of prayer? No matter what we call it, no matter how we dress it up, no matter what others think of it, it, if it is motivated by a desire to selfishly serve one's own desires, then it is in genuine, unauthentic love. It cannot last if it is motivated by the flesh and not of God. In fact, if it is motivated by self-serving purposes, it doesn't even meet the proper definition of love. We can define it better as tolerance than we can love. This is not the kind of love that wins. The love that wins is the kind of love that we get from God. The kind that's genuine. The kind that's authentic. Love wins when it's agape. Love wins when it is the love that Jesus described in John chapter 15 when he says, this is my commandment, love each other just as I have loved you. No one has greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. It is the love God demonstrated to us through Jesus. Love wins when it goes to unimaginable lengths. Such lengths as described in the story of one Thomas Vanderwood. <laughs> you ever heard of the story? Thomas Vanderwood. Thomas and his wife Mary Ellen had seven children, and by the time they were expecting their seventh, the couple was in their 40s, so their chances of birth defects was quite high. Therefore, their seventh child, whose name was Josie, was born with Down syndrome. Chris Vanderwood, one of his sons, says, quote, It didn't matter that Josie had Down syndrome. He was my father's son. And that was all the reason my father needed to love him. Thomas Sr. demonstrated that love in 2008 on one morning. Thomas Sr. and Josie were in the yard playing when Josie fell down into an old broken septic tank, which at eight foot deep was extremely dangerous. Thomas Sr. tried to grab his son, but it was fruitless. Immediately, he lowered himself in the tank. And because he couldn't keep Josie's head above the waterline, Thomas Vanderloo did something that could only be driven by love that comes from God. 
Thomas dove under the water, came up under Josie's feet, put his son's feet on his shoulders, and stood there while his son was able to stand on him to keep his head above the water. By the time the rescuers arrived, Josie was fine, but Thomas had died saving his son's life. That, sisters and brothers, is agape love. A love that goes beyond the conditions. A love that has no ends, even when the end is death. The relevant matter in love winning is our motivation. Did we want to better the good of another? Did we act in a way that Jesus would have acted? When we love one another, the invisible God whose true nature of love was made visible through Jesus is revealed to others through us. And then God's love is made complete. It, you know, it, it's easy to say that we love God when, when love doesn't cost us anything. Or love only costs us a simple trip to, to a worship service once a week. Or, or a simple dollar in the offering plate. Or a simple opportunity once a year to say yes to serving. Or a simple this or a simple that. Love, it's easy to say that we love God when it doesn't cost us much. But the real test of our love for God is how we treat the people who are right in front of us today. The people we call family, the people we call friends, the people we call neighbor, and especially the people that society would say are unlovable. The outcast. Those who nobody loves. We cannot truly claim to love God. Why? while failing to love our brothers and sisters who are all created in God's image. Love wins when we demonstrate all our, our love for God through our actions with others and when those actions line up with those of Jesus Christ. All the way, as we witness in our story, sometimes even to the point of death. How have you seen love win in your life? How have you demonstrated agape, agapeo love, the love that comes only from God? As Josh McDowell writes, tolerance says, you must approve of what I do. Love responds, I must do something harder. I will love you even when your behavior offends me. Tolerance says, you must agree with me. Love responds, I must do something harder. I will tell you the truth because I am convinced the truth is what will set us free. Tolerance says, you must allow me to have my way. Love says, I must do something harder. I will plead with you to follow the right way because I believe you are worth the risk. And finally, tolerance seeks to be inoffensive. Love takes risks. Tolerance glorifies division. Love seeks unity. Tolerance costs nothing. Love costs everything. Love wins 
when it is the kind of love that can only come from God as demonstrated first to us by Jesus Christ. That's when love wins. And that is the gospel message. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen.